Welcome back to The 99, where we're focused on brewing a better competitive commander. I'm your host, Patrick Marlette, and thank you for joining us on our first ever game show, Casual or Competitive. And I'm joined by... This is Phil from Ramp Gang, Ramp underscore gang on Instagram. And this is Anton. I was here uh, recently for a wonderful Brew Wars, but also part of Ramp Gang. Uh, if you want to catch more Ramp Gang shenanigans, you can go to Mental Misplay on Twitch. Uh, lots of fun games there every Wednesday and Friday. All right, gentlemen, your collective goal is to determine whether the cards I bring up are casual or competitive. My guests have no idea which cards we'll be discussing today and will have to make their determinations on the spot. Now, how do we determine something so subjective? I hear you ask. I did ask that, actually, yeah. <laughs> a poll was held on the 99 Discord determining whether or not the cards I'll be bringing up are considered casual or competitive. And if you can correctly match their responses to all seven cards, you'll win a grand prize. Oh yes, and there's a grand prize. You'll get to see where the budget for our Patreon goes. But gang, <laughs> before we jump into this video, I want you all to know that if you want to take part in our future polls for any segments on the show, but namely casual or competitive, I'll encourage you to jump on over to the Discord and become a member. There are weekly updates and announcements to live streams, uh, video updates, and of course, polls in the future. But beyond that, if you want to help support the channel directly, the best way to do so is Patreon. That's how we get all the fabulous grand prizes for this segment. And of course, purchase all the equipment you see that goes into this production. Also, if you want to help the channel indirectly, the best way to do so is via TCG Player. That's right, if you go through the link in the description and purchase your next packs, singles, or more, a portion of those proceeds go to help the production here. So it costs you nothing extra, but goes a long way to helping the channel. And as you all know, our Patreon members exclusively uh, know that we do a monthly topic and one of our brew crew members gets to reply to that monthly topic in our end roll. But the month's topic for January is what color do you feel needs the most improvement and why? And I'll pass that question off to you all. What color do you feel needs the most improvement? White? White. <laughs> Definitely uh, white. Yeah. Why don't you tell us why? Because you play a mono white deck. I mean, we discussed this a minute ago, but largely because it's so far behind the other card, uh, the other colors in terms of what it can do in totality. Yeah. Uh, I mean, card draw it needs. Stack interaction, as you mentioned, it needs desperately. Um, you know, the, there's like the lower CMC creatures or spells in white um, don't necessarily do enough comparative with other colors. I just think that the color could use a whole lot um, more area that it's permissed, you know, to interact with than, yeah. uh, than it's been given. And yeah, I think actually to, to piggyback on that a little, yeah. um, white is one of the few colors that doesn't really share as much of the color pie as other colors. Like sometimes, like green and white both destroy artifacts and enchantments, and maybe that's one of the pieces of overlap, but it doesn't really get card draw, it doesn't really get stack interaction, it doesn't really get um, even mana ramp besides Knight of the White Orchid or a couple random cards mm -hmm. like that, core cartographer. Um, and so it's kind of stuck in an awkward position right now where it doesn't feel as proactive as the other colors, at least in, especially in Commander. It's, it's great in other constructed formats um, across the ages, of course, but it's not really the strategy for Commander these days. Yeah, and, and white really relies on all of its best abilities being kind of um, conditional, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like you can get more lands from your library only if your opponents <laughs> have more lands than you. So it's... It, so you're it's, already at a disadvantage and then it's benefiting yeah. you when you're like down in the rut. Yeah, yeah. it's an equalizer it, but doesn't really equalize. But exactly. not even like greatly so. Like no. Tide, yeah. like you can find two planes instead of one if someone has more lands than you. It's like, it would be really great if it functioned to put it on the field. I mean, Lord knows green has 18 cards cards that do that. I mean, yep. we're already trying to lean that direction with Gifts of the Estate. We've done a lot of land tutors in white, but they've all been deficient and generally overly costed. Mm -hmm. um, tithe might be the one exception, but again, that's two hands, so. You know, it doesn't affect the board. No. Also, I would touch on the fact that like one of the best cards to come out for Mono White in the last several years is Smothering Tithe. And <laughs> well, let's look at what's replaced Smothering Tithe functionally in a ton of decks now is Hull Breacher. Yeah. And yeah. it's crazy that they gave the color that actively has wheels another card to abuse those wheels. When white doesn't even have a wheel. Like if you gave Hull Breacher to white, that list isn't gonna manipulate it to benefit off its own 99. It has to wait for the opportunity. Yeah. Instead blue, it's like, oh, oh okay. Uh, let's do Windfall, let's do uh, Time Twister. Uh, and I'll make some treasure. Yeah, yeah. And, don't, and don't get me on Lapse of Certainty or Mana Tither or any of these other yeah. white counter spells because yeah. they're they're trash cards. They don't yeah. do anything. Yeah, you know, yeah. absolutely. Helpful. There is a little bit of stack interaction in white, and none of it's playable. Yep. This week's topic for casual or competitive is artifact ramp. Starting with Commander's most popular piece of ramp, seen in every list from Precon to Donkey Kong, and most recently Commander Legends. I am of course talking about 
Soul Ring. Soul Ring for one generic artifact. Tap, add to generic. Now, is this card, gentlemen, casual or competitive? Wow. You're really starting us off hot here, Patrick. Uh, <laughs> hotly debated, I am sure, and uh, something that people have talked about forever. Um, I'm going to start by saying that if Soul Ring was a more expensive card, our conversation would be very different. The fact that it is an inexpensive card makes people, I think, feel differently about it because it mm -hmm. goes in basically every commander deck. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to say that a mana positive rock for one mana, if you're the only one at the table who has it, you're running far enough away from the game and other people get kind of upset at that if they're not running it or if they don't haven't drawn it. Um, it leaves you open to playing a Signet or something else on turn two. It accelerates your mana far and beyond what most other magic cards do. And I think this is like very deeply in the competitive camp. I realize that casual decks, basically all casual decks play it, right? But that doesn't mean that it is not a competitive card. It's just so good and so available that it goes into casual decks as well. So I'm going to say firmly, easily competitive. Um, I know people talk about Solaring not wanting to be in their pods and they want decks without it because it actually makes the game more fair. And I completely understand a one-sided Solaring really, no. uh, is pretty un pretty un unfortunate. So there are people out there in their pods who don't play Solaring and ask people not to play Solaring So you believe at all. that this card is competitive and for the same reason people will complain about seeing counterspells at their pod, it's uh, unfair, unfun, the kind of advantage it offers the table. Unless everyone gets one player. on turn one. So you're saying it's competitive. Now I'll let you all know that our team has to agree on one or the other. So I'm curious to hear your side of this debate. Anton, casual or competitive? So uh, I'm actually firmly with Phil on this one. I believe that Soaring is a competitive card. It costs one mana, gives you two generic. Uh, if you land it early, accelerates very well. You know, it's a it's a great card. It, there's a reason that it does go in every deck. Um, I think that there's a lot of argument against it um, because people feel that it provides too much of an advantage. And those arguments you'll typically see at a casual table. The problem is Soul Ring is so ubiquitous. It's so available. Everybody can play it in every deck. And there's really no reason that you shouldn't unless you're specifically playing a deck that avoids artifacts for some reason. So competitive. I'll throw it out to the audience. If Soul Ring was a $500 card, would you put it in every deck? Probably not. Probably not. Mana Crypt is several hundred dollars and people love that card. And that is a hugely competitive card in my opinion. I hope it's something we did get to talk about today. Um, if it isn't, that's fine. I have no idea what the next cards are, but I'm gonna go with Anton here and we're gonna say firmly competitive. All right, gentlemen. So our poll had a couple hundred Discordians vote on the seven cards we brought here today. And remember again, to get the grand prize, you need to cut all seven of these uh -oh. correct. So with Solray, I think we biffed it. With 117 votes to 35, a majority of our fan base believes Soul Ring is casual. Wow. Um, Very interesting. How does that make you feel? I think that misheard, un yeah, yeah. <laughs> misunderstood. Perhaps yeah. only because it's so affordable and accessible. Well, I'm glad we're doing this discussion yeah. for this reason. Because thinking about the accessibility of a card, yes, it goes in every deck. So yes, it goes in every casual deck, right? Mm -hmm. But that doesn't necessarily mean the card, in my humble opinion, is a casual card. It's a card for competitive, like, like shooting out a bunch of mana, right? And I think Mana Crypt is another example of a card that I would consider deeply competitive that people don't necessarily have access to. So think about the price point of a card when you're evaluating it too. In my opinion, if Sol Ring was several hundred dollars, we would say it was a competitive card. And mm. so and I'm likely to only be seen in, in more hyper competitive, competitive yeah. decks. Yeah. And, and so my thought about in like the way I'm thinking about evaluating these cards is, is as a card, like as a magic card, not as a mm. card that I can put in a lot of decks or I see in a lot of decks, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that this brings up a nice point about like uh, the objective analysis of what is competitive versus what is casual. And, you know, there are several factors that I think you'll find in almost anybody's evaluation of whether a card is going to go into a CEDH deck. That's mana efficiency. Yep. You know, how, how much does it cost? If it's above 3MC, 3CMC, sorry, you're probably not going to see it as often in competitive decks. Is it a mana rock? Okay, does that mana rock cost less than three? Does it produce more than it costs? Or is it mana positive, which Soaring is. Exactly. And there aren't very many mana positive yep. rocks out there. That is a hugely important thing. The mana positivity of rocks makes a massive difference in, in the impact of that card when it comes down. So I 
I could never call this card casual, even though it is so readily available to everybody and so cheap. Even well, even, against the majority. <laughs> even against the majority. Even yeah. though we lost the game show, uh, I still think we're right. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, I, you know what? I'm going to give you a chance to still win that prize if you get the rest of these correct. That is all six of these correct. And we already mentioned it, but Phil wanted to talk about Mana Crypt. And guess what? Yes. The next card happens to be. With a surge of recent reprints, this card is seeing more play than ever. It is the part two to The Godfather's part one. I'm, of course, speaking of Mana Crypt. And we all know what Mana Crypt does, but I'll read it off for you now. It's zero to cast artifact at the beginning of your upkeep. Flip a coin. If you lose the flip, Mana Crypt deals three damage to you. That seems pretty casual to play. Yeah. Tap it, add to generic. You know, I mean, obviously we could just basically take the same argument we had for Soul Ring, cut and paste it, put it in here, except now the the price point becomes relevant. Um, that There's that issue of access that a lot of people don't necessarily feel that they have, so this is slotted into more competitive decks. The, They're with running that, on average now yeah. somewhere between $60 and $80, though. Which is hugely different right. than... They than brought the price double down. Double Masters, yeah. Mystery Boosters, down. people are cracking more packs. Yep, yep. It's interesting. So, well, they, they, it seems like what they want to do, what Wizards wants to do, is mm. make Mana Crypt a more accessible card because mm -hmm. it is so damn good. It's just so good. It's a free Soul Ring. It's a mm -hmm. free two mana every turn. And the life loss is negligible. So Yeah, exactly. I, that's a that's a huge point in... Well, mostly it, negligible, right? I mean, There's Adnaz decks and other decks, but... But when you're talking about run. competitive commander or run. even just commander general, like, we have 40 life. 40 life. Life is a resource. You spend your life on things. And spending life to, like, have early access to a couple more mana could be a, a massive difference between winning a game and just not. So uh, I've got a lot of turns with Mana Crypt and Goto that have won me the game because of it. And because absolutely. even where a Soul Ring wouldn't have won me the game, mm -hmm. but Mana Crypt, because it's one mana less, it's a mana to positive rock plus two, right? Mm -hmm. Monolith is only a mana positive rock plus one. Same with Soul Ring. Same with Soul Ring. It's one of the few that's plus two. And so the other thing, interestingly, the life loss, this is something that I learned when I started playing Commander, is that that is actually something that makes casual players like go, ugh, I don't want to play that card because it mm -hmm. hurts me. And that's something we kind of get over as Magic players. And, and like you were saying, great point. Life is a resource, right? Mm -hmm. And so because life is a resource, you use it to get your Mana Crypt out or you use it to keep your Mana Crypt in play. Um, and spending that resource as another means to advance your game state is really helpful. So I'm yeah. going to I'm gonna just say, like, definitely competitive. And, 100%. And 60 to 80 bucks is, like, still a pretty expensive card. Yeah. And if you put it in every deck, like you would put it in Soul Ring, suddenly how many copies do you need if you're not proxying or doing Absolutely. other silly things? Absolutely. So. All right, so it sounds like I know where we're going here. Phil, you say competitive. Anton, where are you at with this? I'm going to say competitive as well. So I think if we're landing on it, we can definitely call it competitive. Interesting. All right. Now, our fan base over on Discord voted 17 to 126, stating that this card is definitely competitive. Hey, we now, got one. But not only did we get one, but I think that this underlies the point we made about Soul Ring. Mm -hmm. If Soul Ring were 80 bucks, it would be competitive. Yep. So when you think about a magic card, don't just think about its availability. Yes, it goes in all the decks. Think about what it does. Think about what it does. Yep. Okay. So a little bit of schooling for you when you <laughs> go and take the poll next week. Now you know how to grade these, and I do agree with that sentiment to a certain extent. I think accessibility was a major factor for people to weigh in, and I want you all to know we have a good diversity of casual and competitive players and a lot of folks that are on the Patreon that play both. So Absolutely. I totally understand yep. the availability issue. I think for a majority of us, at least at this table, we proxy, and we've encouraged it here on the channel. Obviously, don't swindle people with fakes, but if you proxy a card, that's totally fine. This is a casual yeah. format and right? a very expensive game yeah it's an expensive game to play so that's actually in, in competitive games a lot of them you know will will proxy really expensive cards yep. just so that they can play them and play magic at its saying, most ridiculous power levels yeah because the saying in, in competitive a lot of times is i'd rather play the person and not their wallet so if you're thinking of like breaking into competitive commander and you can't afford things like uh, a, a mana crypt it's okay to proxy it's okay to do that yeah. and if you're not opposed to proxying that. You may want to proxy this next one because it has been rising in price. Ooh, the next card we'll be speaking of is a gorgeous one to look at. From Brimstone Mage to Forever Young, Vulcan Baga is notorious for those salacious depiction of hands. And this just might be his naughty masterpiece. Chrome Mox. For zero mana artifact imprint, when Chrome Mox enters the battlefield, you may exile a non-artifact, non-land card from your hand. If you do so, you may tap this and add one mana of any 
of that exiled card's color. Now, gents, is this casual or competitive? And I have to say, we just saw a reprint of this in, if I'm not mistaken, Double Master. Double yes, Master, right. yep. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and explain my reasoning before I tell you what I think. Chromox is totally card disadvantage, right? You're spending two cards for a mana. That's not great. But what are you gaining? You're gaining speed. And in certain decks, the extra card is irrelevant if you're playing a lot of wheels or if you're drawing a lot of cards anyway, um, or if you've resolved an ad nauseum, because generally when you resolve an ad nauseum, you have an entire grip of cards, you can chrome mox out something that you don't need, right? That's why all of these other moxes are also useful in that way. Um, so you're spending a lot of resources to put a mana into play. And I think that the decks that want to do that the most are competitive decks. Mm -hmm. So I feel that this card is also very firmly in the competitive camp because you have to spend so much to, to, to use it, and it is incredibly powerful in the right builds when you're either refilling your hand really well or you're just like going off with something like an ad nauseum because technically a zero mana rock is also mana positive. Um, you could kind of see a theme with the, my, my current thinking on what mana source is, you know, what makes a mana source a competitive mana source or not. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to, again, agree with Phil on this. I think we're aligned with a lot of our, our thinking about this. Um, it brings up a couple things for me. First off, I generally think if you're talking about a zero CMC mana rock uh, that goes mana positive, I, I mean, it, it's, it's going to be competitive. For the most part, you have things like Mox Amber, which are now kind of rising in price, that are a little bit more conditional and maybe not seen as as quite as competitive. But Mox Tantalite, Mox Tantalite, does that even have a casting cost? I don't think it does. <laughs> Unless you're playing Majors, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so a thing that that Phil talked about a moment ago, and that we've talked about a couple times so far, is this idea of like how we utilize our resources, right? Uh, a casual player might look at a Chromox and go, I really don't want to exile any of these great, fun cards that cost 7 CMC in my Absolutely. hand in order to play this card. But everything that we have in the game is a resource that can be utilized, right? You can discard cards, you know, yeah, you go down uh, a card, but maybe you then end up with a wheel, like Phil said. Or you have an acceleration, you get your commander out earlier, maybe your commander has a huge impact on the board. You know, maybe you spend life as a resource. Maybe you sacrifice your lands in order to get mana, like a rain of filth or something. These are all ways that, that you can elevate the game to a different level that are often things that are not found in a casual table. And they're not going to be found because I think a sentiment at a casual table is you want to hold on to everything that you have, right? You don't want to give away your resources. You don't want to lose your card advantage. You don't want to give up anything that you can because all of it is, is precious and any bit of removal means like you're suddenly falling further behind because you don't have as much resources to catch up with. So I, I would say this is firmly competitive, but it also brings up this sort of philosophical understanding of what is different between casual and competitive. And I think the expenditure of really everything you have as a resource uh, is, a, is a marked difference. So not to say that you wouldn't find a crumb mox at the table, you firmly believe that the speed this provides your deck is leaning or at least slanted more towards competitive styled lists. Speed for the cost specifically, yep, absolutely. right? Because you're giving up a whole card for it. So, uh, you know, I think Mox Diamond is very similar. I wonder if we're gonna talk about that as well, because you're giving up a land, which is actually even more of a resource because your agenda mm -hmm. have fewer in your decks, mm -hmm. just in general by ratio. Oh, casual decks have like 40 of those. Well, exactly, but you know, it, then maybe, maybe Mox Diamond is a little bit more on that side of things. But I mean, think about a turn one play that's Turn one, land, soul ring, chrome mox, wheel of fortune, and now I've spent four cards in order to refill my grip, and I'm going to untap, play and land, and now I'll have four mana in play on turn two. Um, seems pretty spicy. You know, maybe yeah. even five if you're dropping yeah. other rocks. So, so we feel ca uh, competitive. Deeply and definitely competitive. Chrome mox. The votes were tallied up, and 130 individuals to a mere nine believe Whoa. that chrome mox. Is a competitive card. Okay, Damn. good. Yeah. The way he's telling the numbers, I'm like, oh no, that first number is always the the casual. The second very, one's very polarized. Yeah. Polarizing. Good flip. Good flip. Keeping us on our toes. All right, and keeping us on our toes, uh, almost like keeping us on our hands, because our boy Vulcan Baga is at it again. Oh, we're gonna see more of these. I bet we will. No one apart from God can produce hands so masterfully, and the world of MTG should simply rejoice every time they meet their maker. Mox Opal for zero oh, mana. Legendary Poland. Artifact oh, Poland, yeah. Metalcraft. 
Add one mana of any color. Activate this ability only if you control three or more artifacts. Is Mox Opal also recently reprinted in that same set 2XM? Is Mox Opal competitive or casual? I'm gonna go ahead and cut and paste kind of the, the last few arguments that we've had here, but uh, I will say competitive, there's a little bit of an asterisk on this one. Because it is conditional, I would say it is one of the weaker of the moxes. Um, if you have a certain artifact density in your deck, you're gonna slot this in if you have it, if you can, if you can afford it. I'm not sure how much it's going for these days, but um, I definitely think Mox Opal is a competitive card. Again, zero CMC mana rock that if you have three artifacts, suddenly goes mana positive. It's it's pretty outstanding, um, you know, and there are some competitive decks <coughs> sure, that will just use it even if there's not three artifacts on board to recur something in the graveyard. So I, I'm going to go ahead and say it's a competitive card. Situationally competitive. Oh, very interesting. Situationally competitive. That's well, interesting. Well, and just on your note about price, I'll just let you all know, uh, the averages for Chrome Mox, our previous card, and Mox Opal, they're right around $30, depending on the condition. So they're about the same price. Chrome Mox, slightly more expensive on average. But with that thought in mind, Phil. So definitely a much more accessible card, both Chrome Mox and Mox Opal. Um, no disadvantage to using it, at least getting into play, but a disadvantage that your deck has to support having mm -hmm. Metalcraft. But most competitive decks are running lots of Signets or Talismans or other Mana Rocks, Soul Rings, Mana Crypts. Um, I've seen explosive and, and had explosive turns with decks like Goto, which is a great example of a deck that uses lots of, like, almost overloaded on artifacts, where Mox Opal is just a Mox Ruby. And I think that um, most competitive decks that you're going to see are going to be running this this sort of fast mana suite of cards. Mm -hmm. It's going to be running like, you know, these mana positive things that we've been talking about. And Mox Opal just slides right in and says, like, I fit nicely with this theme already. So you don't really need to build the deck so much around that simply because you're already running these cards and you already they're already in your deck. And Mox Opal just goes, hi, I show up to the party and I'm also super valuable. And yep. The times where I've seen a player in a competitive pod have a Mox Opal and not have it online is pretty rare. Um, and I think for $30, if you're going to be buying a card like this, what other kind of a deck are you going to put it in unless it's like some, you know, mono brown Bosch deck, which would be freaking awesome, by the way. Um, but I think something like that is, is is almost certainly competitive just because it's it's... It fits in with the suite of fast mana that competitive is really asking for at once. Absolutely. Right. So on that note, gents, how do you feel about this card? Definitely going to say competitive. Subscribed. <laughs> All right. 25 versus 113. 113 individuals believe that this card is competitive. All right. We're, we're moving along. You've got your four of five. Like five, said, the first one didn't you, count. Yeah, but everyone's wrong on that. I mean, one. That's I'm, kidding, that's I'm, kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but if you can land the rest of these again, you do walk away Very with exciting. a grand prize. And this next one is a real beaut of a card. What if I told you too that for zero mana you could cast that two CMC commander on turn one? Mm. Oh. Call me a liar, oh. wouldn't you? Well, maybe you've heard of a little card called Lotus Petal. For zero CMC artifact, tap, sacrifice Lotus Petal, add one mana of any color to your mana pool, play its ability as a mana source. That is the old wording, but you get the idea. It's not an interrupt, it's not an instance, it's a mana source. Mana source. Mm -hmm. I remember those days. I was 14. <laughs> yeah, we haven't seen a decent reprint of this card uh, at all. There's been the Mystery Booster and obviously Kaladesh Invention. So available. Wasn't there like a, is a From the Vault one? There is a From the Vault there one. There is a From the Vault one, but They're that's in the 50 range. Mm -hmm. Obviously, our Tempest mm. version, which is the one I read off and should have been on screen for you, averages around $8 to $10 pending condition. Mm -hmm. So they're still relatively affordable. Easier to slot into most lists, slightly easier than Soul Ring. Is mm -hmm. this card casual or competitive? Um, well, I would have to go with competitive because I think it, again, falls into the suite of mana rocks that we talked about. Um, so let's just take an example. Let's think about something like uh, an ad nauseum or appear into the abyss, right? I'm thinking of these mana positive rocks in the light of that because it's such a huge part of the current CEDH meta. Um, you fill your hand with a whole ton of cards. Let's say you get 20 cards out of it. Or in the case of appear into the abyss, maybe you get 40 cards. Um, if you have anything in there that you can slap down for zero mana and go mana positive that is going to accelerate you into a win nine times out of ten it's going to make you win on the spot so lotus petal falling into that 
suite of zero CMC rocks or just artifact suite for competitive commander, it, it, since it's an auto include in most of those decks, I'm gonna go with competitive. Uh, it's also just, it's a great way to have early access to one more mana, which can be hugely different. Yeah, I, I definitely agree about the fact that it is competitive. Um, I was actually thinking about Chromox again. Mm -hmm. So let's think about when you play a Chromox. So you play a Chromox and you, you burn a card, so you lost a card, and then the Chromox is in play. So it's a minus one card, and now you have that mana forever, right? Lotus Petal is minus one card as well, and you get that mana one time. It's actually worse than Chromox in certain mm -hmm. cases. It's better in certain cases too. But we were talking about like the resources required to play your cards. And so this is basically just one mana. It's just a mana in your hand. Um, Pyretic Ritual is also one mana because it costs two and gets you three. So they actually are kind of similar cards in terms of what they do for you. Obviously triple red and like all those other considerations, there's no restrictions to playing your Lotus Petal. Um, so definitely there's a lot you have to give up in order to do this. And if you're using the Petal, you better be doing something big and, and splashy and awesome. And I just think that if you're in a casual environment, you're you need to you need to play a lot more mana, and like like that extra mana is not going to do as much for you than it will in a competitive environment where it could it could get your soul ring down so that you could do other things, or it could it could partner with a mana crypt to play a wheel or play an opposition agent or, or other things like that. Um, it also turns on Mox uh, uh, Chrome Mox, not Chrome Mox, the uh, Mox Opal. Mox Opal. Yep. That's right. It also turns on your Metalcraft for free. Yep. Um, so for all, all of these reasons, I think that. Competitive decks are completely willing to just burn all the resources away to achieve the board state that wins the game. And I think that like Chromox, you're net down a card. Unlike Chromox, you get that mana one time. Less stipulations on getting that mana, but for that reason, I think it's pretty firmly competitive. competitive. Yep. But before you resolve that <laughs> answer, yeah. Instance answer on the stack. I have an interjection. Please. Okay. It is the permanence of the card you feel makes it lean more towards or less towards competitive, correct? So Lotus yeah. Petal, because its lack of permanence makes it worse than Chrome Mox. I think they're very yeah. situational. I think you're spending the same amount of resources on your mana. In Chrome Mox, you're getting that mana forever, right, as long as it's in play. Um, Lotus Petal, you only get it at that moment, but you get to keep a card in your hand. Still losing a card for that mana, really depends on what you're gonna do with that mana. And what you're going to do with that mana, I think, in competitive environments is something totally busted. And in casual environments, you're going to play like, like you know, a huge, you know, Elder Gargaroth or something like that yeah. and be, be down with it. Okay. Yeah. And between the two, you would say that Chrome Mox would be more competitive, correct? I think they're both competitive for the same reasons, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I, would, I guess maybe I Chrome Mox is more Chrome Mox is more competitive. Um, it's easier to think... play a Lotus Petal. Yeah. It, I mean, Lotus Petal slots into way more decks than... Yeah. Lotus Petal, like Sol Ring, is less expensive and... It gives me color mana at any time, so I can see myself slotting in that in almost any deck I play, technically. Yep. I just don't think it does as much in a casual deck. I just really want you guys to get the grand prize. With regards to Lotus Petal, um, I will say that I have never, ever, ever seen Lotus Petal come out at a casual table. The only times I've ever seen anybody play Lotus Petal, they were playing Competitive Commander. Um, so I would be surprised if the majority of the Discord voted for this to be casual, and I'd be very interested in seeing what their uh, casual pods the schedule look like. Look like right? <laughs> yeah, wow, it's pretty spicy. Pretty CDH, guys. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going with competitive. We're yeah, go and I think, I, it, yeah. I, I think that like, like Soul Ring, you, you can probably slot it into a deck. I think the thing that we're saying is that the impact of this card in a CEDH deck is significantly higher than it would be in a casual deck, and it kind of yep. belongs in those lists. Absolutely. Interestingly enough, 32. Oh, should we show our answer? You can. 32 <laughs> to 109. Feel that this is a casual card. To say. Oh, so interesting. Wow. To say that 109, feel that this is competitive. Oh, hey. Okay. All right, all right. Big fake out, big fake yes. out. Big fake out. You are correct, gents. That, that is five for six. I was about to be asking for, the Discord for, to start DMing me some of these casual deck lists. Uh, that'd be fascinating. <laughs> Pub stomp lists. Yeah. <laughs> so it's casual, it's casual, it's fine. Moving on, we have another interesting card for you, and this is newly minted from Commander Legends. Ooh. Now, what if I told you to, that for zero mana, you could cast that four CMC commander on turn one? And Black Lotus is banned though, right? Semi-right, but mostly wrong, because we have Jeweled Lotus. 
For zero mana, artifact, tap, sacrifice, jeweled lotus, add three mana of any one color, spend this mana only to cast your commander. Now this is something that I think a majority of players want in their deck, and that's all I'll say on it. Is it casual or competitive? This is tough, and the uproar about this card when it came out or when it was spoiled uh, was significant, right? Um, there are some casual, some competitive decks where this card is an absolute bomb diggity bomb. Goto being like one of the top ones. Teshar being another. Exactly. There are a few. However, if you're playing multiple colors or partner commanders, it's not as good. It's good, but it's not as good. However, on the casual side of things, any casual deck that is able to slot this mm. card in will, because casual commanders tend to be a little bit more expensive. Casual can commanders tend to come out later anyway, and this can help with the tax if your casual commander came onto the board and got taken off the board. In a few cases in the competitive world, uh, your commander hits the table and like you automatically win, and, and, and Goto and Tesha are kind of similar in, in that sense. Um, but I personally feel like this is a more casual than competitive card. However, I think it's pretty close. And I think that that's because ultimately it slots into lots and lots of decks. It is a powerhouse in certain uh, competitive decks, um, but it's also like amazing in almost every casual deck out there. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I play it in basically every casual deck because I want to slam my Aurelia the War Leader on turn three instead of on turn six. Yep. Uh, I tend to agree with you here. I think that, you know, more often than not, casual commanders are going to lean into slightly higher CMCs. Absolutely. Um, they're usually going to be one to two colors. You're not typically going to find uh, three or four color decks in casual settings. Yep. Uh, I mean, Atraxa is hugely popular, um, both in casual and used to be more competitive tables, now mostly casual tables. Um, and that you're not going to slot a Jeweled Lotus into that one. but. A lot of other casual commanders, you're going to really want to have them come out earlier. I saw this card and I was like, mm, I have a Zakama deck that I would love to play a little bit faster. I have a Wanderer deck I'd love to play a little bit faster. Um, so I think it does have more of a home uh, in a majority of casual decks. I think there are a significant amount of competitive lists that play it nowadays. Um, I do think that the community's reaction to it um, was, oh, this card is broken, oh, it's got to get banned. Um, they reacted as if it was like the most competitive card ever. And I don't feel it is as ubiquitous as a Soul Ring or or many other cards. Um, I do think that a lot of people are going to feel that it's a competitive card because, again, it's a zero CMC mana rock. And more so than that, the price point. The price point is incredibly uh, prohibitive to it a lot of people. It is very expensive. It's super expensive, especially if you're you know going to get a uh, extended art foil Pringle version of it. Um, you know, this this accessibility issue is a difficult one to overcome when you're analyzing competitive versus casual because the emotional response that people have to when something is out of their price range um, is that, well, that's just that's just for you know spikes. That's for that's for people who are playing competitively. That's not for me. And they're gonna feel prohibited from even like having any access to the card uh, and and kind of write it off as competitive for that. Um, so I think the community response is competitive. I think this card fits in a lot of competitive decks. Um, but I will actually agree with you here that I think that if you really look at the card, what it does, where it'll find a majority of homes, uh, I think that it has more of a home in casual. Uh, not to say it's not competitive, super powerhouse card. It's a great card. But I do think it has more of a home in casual. Okay, so when this card was first announced, it was selling on pre-order for multiple hundreds of dollars, particularly for the foil Pringle edition. And it is a mythic in the set, so the rarity and the scarcity of the card is real. However, in Allstate, I purchased the card for $80. They're about, on average, now $60. Mm -hmm. More packs are being opened. This set was a huge hit for Wizards. There's a lot more of them out in the market. However, the accessibility is a factor, and $60 is still out of reach for some people. Now, with that in mind, you still hold true that this is casual over competitive? I do, and I want to sort of underscore the fact that the set was such a big hit and so many people opened it means everyone wanted one, and not everyone plays competitive magic uh, mm -hmm. in, in EDH. Yep. And so I think that this being the chase card of the, of the set, which it kind of is, right? It's on all the art, and it's a freaking Black Lotus. I mean, come on. Um, that, I think, actually leans me even more to saying that, in my personal opinion, I think it's a casual card more than it is a competitive card, but I also feel like there's shades of brown here. 
Yep, yep. It fits. Total artifact joke for you. Fits in <laughs> fits into both categories. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> no oh, more shades. It's shades yeah. of silver now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm not saying gray. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I would agree. I think there's going to be plenty of people who, out there who want to have our heads on a stick for saying it's casual, but we're going to go with casual. All right, gentlemen. 38 to 99. Feel that this card is in fact casual. They would agree yes! with you. However, the majority, mm! the majority state that it is competitive. Oh, oh wait, you just the numbers. Totally, you totally, totally sidelined us. I he know. brings us up and he takes us down. <laughs> I'm so sorry. You will not be receiving two foil commander spheres. You can tell by the shape of the card, but that would have been the prize for this game. However, if you'd like, we can continue with one final staple card. It let's let's continue. I'm gonna just start answering questions about other cards now. I'm just we'll redeem ourselves here. <laughs> Although I will state that this was a toss-up from the get-go when the polls launched. It was a dead tie. For casual or competitive, and I do believe that that initial majority were in favor with you. It it is a card that wants to be seen, not to throw my own hat in the ring, in a lot of lists. And I have to say, CDH is rampant with partners, and a lot of these partner pairings don't really benefit off the jeweled lotus. And that's mm -hmm. something you brought off right off the bat. That's so right. it is interesting to see that I think a majority of players feel because of the mana positivity of this card, the three CMC. It's a shoe-in. However, I will state that not every list depends on their commander as a win con, and more oftentimes than not, <coughs> Rograx Silas, you don't even give a shit about one of those commanders. Yep. So how this fell, uh, fell into competitive is really interesting to me. It also Absolutely. seemed like it was the closest in terms of it the is. voting. It is. Yeah. The least polarized. Or the, the most only, uh, polarized. The only category that didn't least get over 100 votes. Right. Yep. To definitively state that it yep. was one or the other. So interesting thing to note. And I think time will tell here. I think this is a new Absolutely. card. And I think time will tell that more it, it will be in fewer and fewer CEDH decks as time goes by. And more and more casual decks. I will say if this was a card that was more like um, like the original Black Lotus ability, then it would be oh, yes, if it was so competitive and just like <laughs> so much more expensive. Yeah, by so the much, way. so so it's, insane. Sell your house. But, you know, it's not, and it's conditional, and because of that, I think it will fall more into casual over time. And now it's time for the bonus round. When this card came out, nine out of ten players thought that that last player was a chucklehead for not running it. It was then immediately inducted into the category of must plays. Arcane Signet. For two generic artifact tap, add one mana of any color in your commander's color identity. Now I will state that this card not only came out or is coming out in a secret lair, but it was just reprinted in Commander Legends for a good while there. It was exclusive to uh, select pre-cons, if I'm mm -hmm. not mistaken. Yep. So accessibility was an issue. These cards run about $3 now. Casual or competitive? I'm gonna go right off the bat and say casual because this is an this is a very accessible card. Even when it was more expensive, it didn't get. I think it spiked at like 15 at some point and then went down from there. Uh, this card is not a mana positive rock, but it does. Uh, it's a better Felwarstone. It's it's a really really good card. Uh, it's great acceleration. It gives you any color in your commander's color identity. I think it's an outstanding card. I think it goes into a lot of decks. I think it's casual though. I don't think it does enough on the competitive end of the spectrum, even though you will see it in most competitive lists um, to be considered uh, a competitive card. I think it's very much a casual card. Unfortunately, I'm gonna have to break the harmony here. But I will say, so I, I think this card is competitive. But I will say, I think this card is competitive for a very specific set of reasons. And like Soul Ring, I think the responses will say that this card is more casual than competitive. So I'm saying this knowing that I, I, I'm, 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 I'm just presenting my own personal opinion here. And the reason why is uh, Felwarstone is played in almost every competitive deck that's playing Mana Rocks. After the mana positive Mana Rocks, the next best cards you can be playing for mana acceleration are the two mana mana producing you know, mm -hmm. things that come in untapped. So not like the Fire Diamonds of the world or the Sky Diamonds, but more like Signets, um, Talismans, Felwar Stone, and even some of the um, the ones that tap for like uh, one, like um, I forget what the name of it Mindstone? Oh, uh, Mindstone, a great yeah. example. Thought Vessel? Thought Vessel, that's right, yeah. exactly. And Thought Vessel, <laughs> like nice, nice little uh, added bonus there, same with Mindstone. But this adds something, this is color fixing, and there is no condition upon which you get your colors. Signets, which also do color fixing, and talismans, which do color fixing, either require life, 
or for you to filter mana through them, and then you don't really get to pick the colors in the same sense. Mm -hmm. It's hard to like cast a swords to plowshares off of an untapped signet, right? So, yep. so from that perspective, this is the best, hands down, two mana, not positive mana rock in the game in Commander. And that's why I think it's competitive because every single competitive deck that is playing artifacts for, for ramp, which is like most of them, is gonna be playing Arcane Signet to make sure that they get their color fixing. That said, it is a common, it is opened consistently, and it fits into every single deck in the format, right? Mm -hmm. Every deck can play it, and almost every deck will, which is why I think the response is gonna be a little bit more on the casual side, because it's accessible and it slots in. But I just wanna underscore like how amazing this card is for, yeah. for competitive decks, yeah. and, and how if you're playing like Signets and you're not playing Arcane Signet, you're just playing like the the, the, the Ravnica Signets, you're wrong. <laughs> like you should be playing an Arcane Signet yeah. for sure. So that's why I think it's competitive. Um, but we are at an impasse, my friend. So I don't disagree with your points. Um, and I do think that it's incredibly powerful to card. I think it's absolutely the best two CMC um, color fixing mana rock that is in the game. Absolutely. Um, I think that if you're looking back at the way it impacted uh, competitive lists when it came out, it did eliminate a lot of signets. You know, um, you, you saw the, the prevalence of more talismans uh, when that whole set was completed of talismans, uh, which started to eliminate signets a little bit more. And mm -hmm. then when Arcane Signet came out, it was just like, well, why am I even running any signets if I, if I don't have to? Um, it's an outstanding card. I, I think I'm falling maybe into the idea of uh, the accessibility of it and how it can just slot into every deck. I do think you bring up a lot of fair points about um, its its prevalence as uh, the best two CMC rock as uh, the impact it had on competitive commander and um, just the the best kind of color fixing which and the viability of that color fixing in terms of um, your level of interaction uh, immediately after it. Yeah. You know, like the the counter spells the. Uh, Red Elemental Blasts, for example, the the Swords of Plowshares, Vampire like, Tutors, Vampire Tutors, all this stuff that you can do right afterward. So you know, I can come around on this one and agree with you that it that it can be uh, competitive. Though I do think um, we're going to see a lot of people responding saying that it's casual. Because I firmly of, because believe of the that ubiquity of it. Um, yeah. You firmly believe that majority uh, the of community will think that it is more casual. Okay, I'm just trying to give my thought process on why. It, had, it is such an impactful card for competitive and yeah. why you won't really see competitive lists that don't run it. Yeah. I'll state that for monocolored list, arguably the best two CMC rock would be something like Mindstone because there's card advantage baked into the card and you can get away with the generic. And I will state that you don't often see Mindstone in multicolored decks, which is a majority of competitive list. And there aren't that many monocolored lists that can cut it in competitive. I actually cut Mindstone for Arcane Signet and Goto, funnily yeah. enough. The reason color was that necessary? Well, Goto in particular, that deck runs a lot of colorless land. Yep. And it needs red mana. And, and having a little bit of extra red mana is very helpful for that deck in particular. Yep. Um, so decks that are sort of along those lines or um, other decks that are like blue, mono blue, might want to keep blue up for counter spells and things like this. So mana drains, counter spells, cryptic commands, things like that. So I, I see your point, um, but I do think that it even in monocolor decks, it's very relevant. It's a very relevant card. And I'll state that the most prevalent in any given color would be Urza for blue, sure. Godo for red, Savala or Yisen for green, Heliod or Teshar for mm. white. And then of course black, you have things like Crick, Yogmoth, Tiny Bones, Sidisi. Sidisi. Uh, Although less know, so these days. It's yeah. a little Sad bit of a rough Sidisi, patch, but... yeah, yep. with mono mm -hmm. black. But you're still sticking with competitive, and how do you feel? I mean, I still feel that this could fall on either uh, spectrum. I think that uh, in general people respond to it like it's a more casual card, but um, for the sake of our harmonious ending, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Phil's arguments and and accept the competitive analysis of this because also it did have a huge impact on competitive commander when it came out. It made a big difference in people's lists. They they dramatically changed um, how they were approaching uh, their their monorock suite. So we'll go with competitive, gentlemen. I'm gonna wait until he's fully done speaking this time. With 119 votes to a mere 22, and by no means is that the worst ratio we've seen today, but 119 individuals feel this card is in fact casual. Yep. I do totally understand that. Yep. Hopefully by, by listening to this discussion, um, for those of you who think that, um, you sort of understand the perspective of why 
I feel that it's a competitive card. Mm -hmm. um, but keeping in mind the ubiquity, the price point, and the fact that it helps all decks, kind of like Soaring, um, yep. makes it totally understandable why that's the outcome. It feels like that's kind of what we're seeing in a lot of these polls, is uh, if you have more access to it, like the, 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 the cards that are on the cheaper end of the spectrum that kind of can be slapped into any deck, um, it seems like people are feeling that those are cards that could just be considered casual. And uh, I think, you know, what we find as people who play in competitive commander um, metas a lot is that there's another lens that you can look through when analyzing some of these cards and seeing its impact uh, on the format, seeing how it changes lists, seeing um, the potential for what that card can offer you after it comes down onto the board. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's there's more than just how much it costs and how it, the emotional response to a card is. And that yeah. is part of the game with casual or competitive. It isn't always about the accessibility. And much the same way Anton stated, you can look at this game with a different lens and competitive players oftentimes do. Because the Scepter isn't for every list, but I'll certainly play it in Teshar. And I don't know what category you'd throw that into. But that is it for Artifact Ramp Edition. I felt like this was a relatively soft round of questions for our players. However, the next few rounds are going to be that much more difficult. We'll cover things from removal to interaction on the stack to stacks itself. I am very curious to hear your thoughts and, of course, those of my guests. But that's the whole concept here. We're going to poke at the idea of what makes something casual or competitive. Again, if you want to take part in our future polls, the only way to do so is by joining the Discord. So feel free to click the link in the description down below. Any closing thoughts before we end this one? Um, I think this is really fun. I love this idea of analyzing cards and seeing what is competitive, what's casual. I think that it brings up a chance for people to really uncover what is fundamentally part of the analysis for deciding that, you know, uh, and there's a lot of discussion about like, what should I put into my deck if I want to make it more competitive? And maybe some of these things that we're talking about can help people that are that are trying to bridge that gap, um, understand like the things that we're looking at and, and maybe help them make some different decisions on how to upgrade their deck. Yeah, I think, you know, just to sort of add on a little bit. I, I think that it's great that we're having these discussions because one, it's it's interesting. Um, and two, you know, at the end of the day, the competitive mindset is kind of just a mindset about how to play commander one way. Um, and I think anything that we do that furthers the discussion and anything that we do that, that creates debate is excellent because that means that we're thinking about the game that we all love so much. Mm -hmm. um, and so thank you, Patrick, for putting this together. It was super fun to do. Um, I cannot wait to see the comments on this video. Oh man. Uh, I can't we're wait for people to tell me how wrong I am. <laughs> Um, and that's totally fine. You know, uh, you know, I, I hope to see you on the Discord and uh, maybe we can spin up a couple games. Yeah, I know. This was a fun one that brew up and I'm very excited to be sharing this with you all. So if you enjoy this one, of course, I don't often say this, but share this one with your friends. Share this one if you enjoyed the content today because this is a topic that's near and dear to me. I see so much feuding more over any format with Commander, over casual versus competitive. There's, It's so... Everyone's going at each other's throats over certain cards or certain things being featured in a list and to me I think it's silly because we've come to agreements and disagreements on certain cards and they're not only because of their accessibility But their viability in the format and there's certain cards that people felt were casual that are arguably more competitive in our mind and mm -hmm. And it's it's funny to see that we can have an argument about the same game and come up with two different concepts mm -hmm. on this very simple question yep. so Thank you so much for tuning in to this one. Of course, you all know it, but at the end of this video, there is, of course, an end roll and a special shout out to one lucky Patreon member. And that Patreon member is Handsome. Thank you for being a Brew Crew member. You are among the best. And now for his thoughts on the monthly topic, I turn to Jeffrey Williamson. Hey guys, Jeff here, also known as Lavdafka Online. Thanks, Patrick, for letting me share my thoughts on this month's topic. Yes, we all know the answer is white, obviously. White has been the most disadvantaged color since Alpha. Healing salve, anyone? And the only thing that seems to have changed in all this time is that it continues to be easily the most disadvantaged color, despite lots of public discussion about how to help white out. Never mind the liking nonsense, never mind the white needs ramp and draw issue, being the weakest color is literally the fundamental aspect of white's color identity as wizards have developed it. Every other color has something significant that it does better than other colors, while white makes everything fair and makes everyone play by the same rules, and thus white is specifically designed to not be capable of breaking parity the way the other colors do. 
White's problems cannot be fixed with mere creative mechanics. White needs for its identity to evolve past the limitation of being forced to play fair compared to every other color. And that will do it for this episode. If you have ideas for the next casual or competitive topic, feel free to leave them in the comments section down below. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that as to what we can talk about next, what we can gamify next, and I'll certainly consider them when building that next episode. But guys, thank you for joining me. Thank you for Absolutely. having us. It's a pleasure. Really appreciate pleasure. It. Yeah, of course. Again, I'm Patrick Marlett and happy brewing, babies. Because cool. I do think it's silly that these Twitter, any forum you go to, people are like, I fucking, I'm not going to play with this guy if he plays Jeweled Lotus again. And it's like... Chill, homie. Yeah, yeah. or like, and, and half the shit, like, and arguably you can be like, well, I think the majority of people are going to say this is a casual card, but it's not going to be as impactful as it would be in competitive. I, I was I, I was appreciative of the ability to, to sort of have a platform to, to have this yeah. discussion. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's really important, too. Like, Knowing that I think the community is going to push a card in a certain direction, like yep. they're going to say Jeweled Lotus is competitive, I think it's casual, or they're going to say Arcane Signet's casual and I think it's competitive, yep. and to just give an additional perspective about how you know how you make a decision on how you evaluate yep. a card, um, and just more content like this is just great for the community. Yep. It's just I, so 100%. good for the community. Yeah. That's what I was I trying to allude to at the end there, because I think yeah. I absolutely think these conversations elevate people's understanding. Of, uh, of the game that we love. I do think that this is a conversation worth having because I think that we shouldn't be so uh, rude towards each other when it comes to this game. It yeah, is reaction a casual area. format and yeah. we're all trying to have a good time and our concept of fun might be different, but I think poking at cards as being competitive or casual uh, isn't healthy because you're going to oust someone for a non-reason. Like, yep. You know, you could be playing Lotus Petal on a list that doesn't take advantage of it, but, you know, don't be mad at the person for playing, slamming the Lotus Petal. Yeah. yeah. Um, where people do have that reaction, though. Where someone has, they pulled that Force of Will and they want to play it, and then you blow out someone's big 10-mana play, and they just, they just hate you for the rest of the day. Yeah, that's why people hate counter spells, right? Yeah. It's for that reason. And... Well, I mean, but that, but you need it. And I'm even, I, I don't play blue, and I don't brew for blue, but I understand the necessity. I understand yep. the need of it at a table, because when I sit down, I mentioned this in our, our uh or the video, the Deficiency of White video I just put out, where I don't sit at the table and think to myself, man, we can really use more white list. That's yeah. never crossed my mind. But if I don't see a blue list, that's even earlier when we were playing, you're just like, oh, yeah. there's no blue list. You automatically think that you need stack interaction. Some pods I've seen on, on the 88 subreddit are like no counter spells. But to me, yep. like, what what game are you playing? Like, you if you just want to enable every, why don't you just play solitaire? Like, if right. you didn't want any actual, inter that's what's unique about MTG. The fact yeah. that we can impact the other person's board and interact on the stack, interact on a level that other games mechanically can't. Yeah, interact in several different levels. Yes. Like, mm -hmm. like not just the game is out there and we're playing the game. It's it's all the things that happen before come things come into play, as yep. things leave play. How many you know how many cards you get to draw, mm -hmm. and and all the things that affect the board.